At Maximus, we are focused on the future of federal government. We deliver mission-driven innovation at speed and scale, turning insights into impact. We are a top systems integrator and leading provider of transformative technology services, digitally enabled customer experiences, and clinical health services. We help agencies navigate obstacles and anticipate the unexpected by becoming more agile, empowered, effective, and ready for what lies ahead. We are Maximus, moving people forward. Learn more at Maximus.com federal. Introducing the new era of digital identity with SoCure, the leading provider of digital identity verification solutions. The world is shifting to digital services. More and more people are expecting everyday transactions and government services to be readily available online. But this shift has also created new opportunities for fraudsters and identity thieves, which can put individuals and organizations at risk. That's why SoCure has developed a suite of cutting-edge digital identity verification solutions that can help prevent fraud while also ensuring equitable access for all demographics. SoCure leverages machine learning, AI, and biometric capture to provide fast and accurate verification, even for those without traditional forms of identification. Whether you're a government agency looking to modernize your identity verification processes or a business looking to protect your customers and prevent fraud, SoCure has the expertise and technology to help. Join the digital identity revolution with SoCure and help build a more secure, efficient, and equitable world. Visit SoCure.com to learn more. That's S-O-C-U-R-E.com. You're listening to the Government Huddle Podcast, brought to you by GMarkU. Each episode features a unique discussion led by public sector executive and global government thought leader, Brian Chittister. Experts in all things government from around the world join the show to share their stories and provide insight into the rapidly changing landscape that is the public sector. From digital transformation to workforce issues and even thoughts on policy, nothing is off limits. Come on, let's huddle up. It, leveraging technology from the commercial sector is paramount. Let's take cloud, for example. If we try to be the cloud, build cloud and, and do our own private cloud, and if that is the only way we do things, then now instead of doing our mission and doing the war fighting, we're trying to focus on being cloud experts. So really, let's leave the innovation and the the technical capabilities and technical commercial uh, capabilities bring to the table and, and free ourselves to do our mission. So leveraging commercial capabilities where we can, as much as we can, in partnership with the commercial sector, we need to continue. Welcome back to the Government Huddle Podcast, guys. I'm your host, Brian Chittister. Lily Zalecki, the Deputy Chief Information Officer for the Information Enterprise at the Department of Defense, has highlighted the importance of investing in cloud adoption, cybersecurity, AI, and other information enterprise modernization initiatives to achieve the DOD's missions. As I'm sure you're going to hear in our conversation today, she believes strongly that funding these technologies within the budget is a balance between cost effectiveness and mission effectiveness for the U.S. military. The ability to deliver information at resilience and speed, as well as delivering secure information to the warfighter, has remained paramount to staying ahead of the U.S.'s adversaries. One of the mission-critical digital initiatives we're going to discuss, for example, is Zero Trust, which she believes 
is key to protecting the DOD's vast amount of data. We're also going to talk about her strategy as she's looked to modernize the DOD and how her previous roles have readied her for her current position. So let's kick things off. Lily, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for being here, ma'am. Brian, thank you so much for having me, and I'm looking forward to our conversation. So am I. And to kick things off, I would love if you could give our audience just a brief overview of your role and kind of how you're supporting initiatives, because there's a lot of priorities that you have right now from network optimization, cloud adoption, software modernization. Man, I can go on and on, but just give us an overview and kind of what you're doing to really drive these initiatives forward. Well, thank you, Brian. Um, as Deputy CIO for Information Enterprise, my job is honestly to provide strategic policy guidance, oversight, architecture, digital expertise for the DOD information uh, enterprise and infrastructure initiatives, um, and mostly focused on modernizing the digital enterprise. So digital modernization is front and center for me and for my organization. And that sounds, you know, that's the fluffy, you know, the macro level look at things. But really, ultimately, what I am and my team are about is delivering capabilities into the warfighters' hands that enables them to, you know, unlock data and get information from one end to the other in a speedy way uh, that is cyber secure and um, that meets their requirements. Really, ultimately, it's about uh, arming and enabling um, uh, the warfighter for all of their collaboration and communication, as well as you know analytics, et cetera, AI, and um, unlocking data uh, and information for the warfighter. Can I ask you, I mean, you've been in public service for a bit. How does that, how does that personal mission, I mean, you, you use the word warfighter. I'm glad you did. And it makes me yeah. think all the guests that I've had from, from DOD, military side of things, the mission is so paramount to what they're That's doing. Right. So it, how does that word warfighter really impact you and in, in how you approach your day-to-day mission? To be honest with you, I consider myself really privileged and honored to be in this country, the United States of America. Um, I'm an immigrant um, from Ethiopia. Um, You know, I've been here for a very long time, uh, but I don't take the freedom we have in this country for granted. So when we say mission and the warfighter, honestly speaking, most of my career has been here in the Department of Defense not because I haven't had other opportunities or offers or um, haven't thought about leaving, but um, it's because I honestly, like from the bottom of my heart, feel like um, the the ability to have the freedom that, that we have in this country. And I think most of us, including myself, take for granted um, you know, a lot of times it's, it just seems like it is what it is. And here we are kind of thing that's what drives me, honestly. And it's, it's, you know, people are behind it. Families are behind it that are uh, putting their uh, lives and their, their, their uh, uh, families uh, at risk and to be, for us to be able to have uh, this freedom. So really that mission is what drives me. And that is really why I stay in 
uh, you know, federal service, but really specifically the warfighter and the military mission. I've never been in the military, but obviously um, I am very close to it. And, uh, it, you know, it, it really is uh, a passion of mine to make sure that I have some part in contributing to that uh, freedom that I am so freely freely give, given by by others. Yeah, you know, every government leader that I have on, there's always there's a reason why they're in public yeah. service, right? There's that that connection, that connective tissue that they had. But I also yeah. feel like there's just something special about some of those DOD leaders because they you you said it, right? It's it's yeah. lives at stake. Not not to take anything away from folks in the civilian side of things, but no. um there there really is life or death scenarios that happen with with the work that you're doing. And it just always feels like the people that are within those organizations feel that connection and the importance of what they're doing. That's and they right. bring that type of ethic, I think, to that mission, to their everyday work. I'm sure you can agree with that. That's that's right. Um, like I said, it is really um, the people um, and and really the the uh, workforce that also supports the warfighter mm -hmm. behind uh, and and the families um, that also really serve behind the the service men and women. Um, it, it really is uh, starts and uh, ends with the people. Uh, if you ask me. So this, I mean, in your previous roles, you were principal, principal director and director of resources. You've, you've looked at programs and budgets. How do you feel like all of these roles have really prepared you to where you are now in, in the deputy CIO role? So uh, as you mentioned, I've touched on quite a bit of uh, portfolios here, at, even in the DOD CIO uh, and my career path has not been a linear one. Um, you know, one of the things I subscribe to is really uh, to cultivate uh, growth mindset and willingness to take on challenges and different, uh, you know, the the mundane or, or, or other uh, challenges that maybe some people don't want to take on. Uh, but also, um, I realize the mission that we have is so vast and, you know, uh, you hear it, I'm sure from many other that have worked, you've talked to that have worked in the Department of Defense or support the warfighter, you know, the requirement that we have is so fast and the challenges we face are multifaceted uh, and having an engineering background and having, you know, sort of grown up in the radio frequency spectrum world of a very narrow niched um, uh, career for about eight, 18 years, I really began to realize that may not be the, you know, the widest and, and um, uh, for my, my ability to support the department, the mission. And, you know, at one point, I, I actually felt sort of plateaued at where I am, and decided that, you know, what would be uh, what would be um, the next level of things that I can do to sort of expand my horizon, but also take a look at things from an enterprise perspective that touches, you know, the warfighter in so many ways. You know, I've focused on spectrum, C, you know, C3, C4, uh, but, you know, information technology, 
uh, is is more expansive. As you know, you know we're now in the in a, the digital warfare. That is where it is at. Um, so I actually pivoted and um, took a turn to go uh, work in the IT budget on the IT budget and the resources and analysis deputy CIO here, right here in DOD CIO. And really I owe it to uh, the uh, former former deputy CIO uh, to allow me uh, to go get that year of experience with my um, previous uh, boss's uh, permission uh, to expand my horizon. And that's really how I sort of came into this and about about five years ago uh, to really focusing hardcore IT, uh, you know, our digital modernization initiatives and a more expansive and enterprise uh, look. Uh, so I worked on the IT budget for um, about a year. And once my year was up, uh, believe it or not, uh, the PDCIO for uh, resources analysis uh, uh, asked me to stay and establish a group that will deal with the program budget review, budget certification, um, all of these things that actually um, make a reality from a resourcing standpoint, our digital mo modernization priorities and initiatives, you know, talk about connections and, and the ability to sort of uh, expand um, uh, the horizon. And I was able to do that. And soon after, within a, 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 another year, year and a half, I became uh, the director of resources. So I stayed uh, within that resources and analysis group for about four years, eventually becoming uh, the acting uh deputy uh, for the, the resources analysis, uh, deputy CIO, which gave me even further uh, insight into uh, not just technology, but, you know, the resourcing, the processing, and that group also deals with workforce and um, all, all across uh, the more enterprise look of what um, now, what my position really advances and in such a, an expansive way. Uh, bringing to bear capabilities to the for the warfighter for the mission this department has um, uh, in the IT uh, arena so you know cloud software all of these things were things that I worked on from a resources standpoint and as we developed our capabilities programming guidance which I led uh, for the department you know the budget certification uh, sort of solidifies that and makes sure that we are uh, funding these capabilities and uh, you know uh, in in the right way, uh, et cetera. So ultimately, by having pivoted and taken such a huge uh, leap in that regard from take you know going from an engineering uh, and really a niche career, which I thought I would retire out of at some point, but uh, uh, then now here I am as the deputy CIO for Information Enterprise. Uh, really in such a pivotal time, uh, you know, in the department um, and, and really for, for our country and the world. So I've always thought it's it's really important because there's a lot of lessons that I've learned and a, and a lot of um, pieces of wisdom that I've gathered just by watching people sometimes and listening to people. And 
Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't call out something that you touched on at the very beginning of that. And you made a comment where you said you felt like you plateaued. And, and the reason why I want to call that out is I think that is such a great trait of anyone to understand that, you know what, I'm not maximizing my potential right now in where I am. I need to, I need to remove myself from this position and push myself into uh, an uncomfortable position. So I, I get better, right. Get that growth that, that I'm really yearning for. Um, so first of all, I mean, that's, that's impressive. That's fantastic. And where my question is though, one of the things that I think leaders really go back and forth on is how do you identify? Cause I, in your position, I would imagine, and, and across your career, you've, you've hired people and you've looked to build teams that is such an important trait to have with members of your team, finding people that are self-motivated, take initiative. They don't want to plateau. How do you identify those people when you are hiring and building a team? Or is it even possible? Do you have to see that later on? I mean, what have you found? To be honest with you, um, that that is um, a tough question, right? Because when you hire people, the way we're structured now is you, you know, you get a resume and the resume could look incredible and you meet people. So you, you know, you talk to them, but you're only talking to the person maybe for a half hour or an hour. So it's really hard to know whether, uh, you know, a person is really um, future looking. And as you say, take it takes risks or, or is willing to pivot and be flexible uh, to address capabilities uh, in the way um, the way we need it. Um, when I first came to this group, you know, I can tell you, um, I came to a group that um, that I in a community that I did not really deal with. Like, like I said, I had pivoted from the community I knew most of my career to budget, and then you know, after I built these relationships, then came here. So even sort of knowing like what a cloud expert looks like and how would you know a software uh, a software modernization initiative you know advocate what what does that look like but you know people surprise you so when i came to this group they taught me um you know i spent the first six months of my time here basically deep diving and learning from my staff uh, who has been, and I've done extended amount of hiring, actually, like I had, I think, six or um, six to eight um, uh, open uh, billets when I came on board. So that was one of the things I actually did in the last year is I've actually filled all of my, uh, my billets with incredible people, because the first thing I did was like came in and, you know, what does it take for us to be advocates and and what does it take for us to to work the issues in a way that is collaborative uh that that um you know brings along the department and not you know we mandate this like it, you know it, it's it has to be a collaborative and and a positive environment and my team my team really took me in and taught me and how they operate um, and how they would think if you if you would have asked me to hire a spectrum person, I probably would have done a much better 
you know, <laughs> quicker uh, way because I've I've lived that life for a very long time. But you know, people surprise you, and that's that's the thing I say really in my strategy, uh, in in you know, and being able to do my job here is really trust the people that we you know the people that we have on board, but also they're the ones that really help us. Uh, they're the experts help us. Uh, get the right folks, the right um, attitude, what it takes to advance uh, these incredibly challenging and huge initiatives, right? Bringing multi-cloud to this department. You know, we've, we've been doing cloud for many, many years, but here we are, we accomplished it um, as, you know, a department united. And it's because of the teams that we have here uh, that, and, we were able to bring on board um, with with the learned um, experiences of the, the folks that we have here. So when when you know when I look at people, um, you know I I say that it's not always on paper, uh, and it's it's uh, it, it's an innate, but also people can learn. I'm telling you, I went and learned budget, right? Like someone could have said, like, oh, you're an engineer. Like, what do you know about budget? I'm not going to take you, right, when I went to seek uh, to pivot. But someone took a chance on me, and I was able to prove them, and then some, right? So I I just feel like um, we can't limit in, in how we, uh, we hire people uh, into these roles. And really, that's we're going to have to do that anyway, because there's not enough experts, quote-unquote, uh, to fill some of these uh, extremely critical uh, requirements that that we have um, uh, in this department um, because of just a shortage of uh, the technical capabilities, et cetera. So I know that's a long and roundabout way to say that uh, there's different ways to look at people and bringing people. And some people may bring the technical capabilities, but some people bring uh, the 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 ability to learn and pivot uh, in ways that really they learn very quickly, pick up very quickly. They have the transferable uh, capabilities, analytical capabilities, critical thinking capabilities, mm -hmm. management capabilities that that are required for this job. And that may not necessarily, you don't have to be a software engineer, but you know if you know how to bring about you know enterprise capabilities to the department, uh, in a way that, you know, in a quick way and in a very creative way, you're in innovative, you know, there's there's ways that to look at folks and to bring folks in that, uh, you know, that fit into uh, advancing um, the digital modernization um, initiatives that we have. So, uh, again, to say it's not always on paper, but, you know, I've, I've had to learn from my folks and then translate that into our ability to continue to expand um, our, our uh, staff. I couldn't agree more. And I mean, to, to summarize, I mean, it sounds like you really prioritize culture. It's creating right. a creating a growth growth mindset culture. And exactly what you just said is really embodied with one of the guests that I had uh, a few years ago, actually. He wrote the book, The Talent War, Mike Sorelli. Yeah. Um, uh, he is a former Navy SEAL. Um, but he talked about the intangibles, hiring for hiring for those type of skill sets, because you you can train people on the other things. Like you mentioned, you learn budget, you learn those things.
but you can't always train a work ethic. You can't train certain things and you, you need to hire for those priorities and really understand that the other pieces can really be, uh, adaptable. Um, so I, I, I absolutely, absolutely agree with you with that. I'm curious, like you talked about some of the things that you're doing, uh, around bringing multi-cloud into that environment. What has, what has been your strategy as you've looked to modernize, um, the DOD from your, from your view, from your role? That, that's, you know, that sort of follows on from our previous discussion. Um, it, it's one, it's the people, really leveraging uh, the people, our people in the best way possible, because I feel like our people are our strength, right? And when I say people, it's not just my staff, but also, you know, that relationship with my staff, but also uh, across the entire department, across the DOD CIO, across uh, all of the other uh, DOD uh, components, the military departments, the, the defense agencies and field activities, the uh, principal staff advisors, the OSD components. So, and the combatant commands, uh, you know, where really the need is. Uh, so people, uh, and building that relationship with people is paramount. So that's that's the number one thing. And I'll I'll get to why. And the other is technology. Uh, you know, technology that the the commercial sector brings. So it, leveraging technology from the commercial sector is paramount because we let, let let's say cloud for example. If we try to be the cloud, uh, you know, build cloud and and do our own private cloud, and if that is the only way we do things, then now instead of doing our mission and doing the war fighting, we're trying to focus on being cloud experts. So, really, let's leave the innovation and the the technical capabilities and technical uh, uh, commercial uh, capabilities bring to the table and and free ourselves to do our mission. So leveraging commercial capabilities where we can as much as we can in partnership with the commercial sector is to me uh, one of really the key areas, one demonstrated by JWCC, but by the way, uh, but in other areas that we really um, have been expanding here within the department, and we need to continue, in my view, leveraging academia, uh, the ability to, you know, to learn from academia, how all, all of the knowledge and expertise they bring in the field of, you know, AI and machine learning, et cetera. So where am I going with this? This is to enable us really to deal with a multi-dimensional scope of mission and challenges that if we try to do everything in-house, we're going to, then we've really lost track of what we are really here for and our mission. So really that to me, that is at least the way I look at it. And I know the department is also in this way is that um, we're really leveraging as much as we can from the right people, the right commercial uh, entities, the right um, um, academia, uh, and and just building those partnerships and relationships and and just getting that right and getting that 
always flourishing that is to me one of our you know best secrets to enable the capabilities quicker and in the best way and getting good good outcomes uh, in that way. So when when I say multifaceted and multi dimensional scope of mission. When you look at our budget, for example, we deal with three budget cycles in one year, for example. So we're executing for for a fiscal year and then we're, you know, working on the president's budget for the following fiscal year. And then we're also planning for two years from now. So like we're working three budget cycle. We're looking to transform a lot of our capabilities and yet we're dealing with technical debt and that we built over many years. And, you know, we're now trying to be the glue in between those two as we transform and get ourselves into these, you know, modern software practices and et cetera. But, and yet most of our capabilities that we rely on really critically uh, are legacy capabilities. You know, the workforce, you're looking at multi-generational workforce uh, that that we deal with. And and that is another, you know, multi-dimensional aspect that we have to look at. And then we are also doing, you know, the war fighting on multi, multi-domain, you know, air, land, sea, uh, space and cyberspace. And that the cyber, you know, warfare is intensifying. That's what makes our, at least my role and our DOD CIO role extremely important. So uh, the strategy has to cover all these facets. And, you know, to try and just be inward looking is not going to work, uh, you know, and not going to enable us to to be where we are. And, you know, by uh, outward looking, as I said, our ability to, to leverage as much as we can from the commercial sector, you know, using our people as flexibly as possible, including you've seen our workforce strategy to, to try and build in, you know, flexible ways of leveraging our people. And this enables us like to unlock data, to enable technologies that, you know, we couldn't deliver at speed if we didn't do it that way, to our ability to uh, just uh, enable many anal- analytics capabilities. Uh, so I, I I just feel very strongly that, you know, we hear the word agile all the time, but really agility, anticipating change, because really technology is changing in a way we have never expected uh, and, and very fast. Uh, so is our uh, pacing threat and challenge and the ad- our adversary um, taking an advantage of this change. So um, I would say um, that is really sort of the 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 holistic way I look at uh, the strategy and modernizing, and that's really how our software modernization strategy relies on, digital modernization strategy relies on, uh, and and you know pulling up, looking at you know our defense. Uh, strategies all look at um, the challenges and and the opportunities that we have. You touched up on the importance of kind of relying on essentially the the commercial sector, the private yeah. sector, to drive innovation. It feels like, and and love your opinion here. Um, it feels like there's been 
a little bit of a closing of the gap between the public sector and the private sector in that it, empirically, I would say a, a decade ago or, or further, where it was really difficult to kind of come together and and be viewed and use, use the word, I use this word all the time, to be partners, not yeah. just a selling at and, and a transactional relationship. Um, I'm curious to get your opinion. One, do, do you see that or do you feel that? And two, if so, what do you think has been the cause of that? Honestly speaking, um, I don't think we have a choice. Like I said, the uh, pacing threat is, uh, you know, uh, utilizing these incredible technologies and capabilities uh, to uh, get ahead. And we we must we must keep pace and and really outpace uh, the 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 pacing threat and challenge. So I don't think we have a choice. But honestly speaking, because of that and the realization that if we work in partnership with industry and and sort of walk together to say, here's the requirement, here's the uh, here's the capability, and let's let's work together to uh, leverage their their abilities and their uh, the, the commercial parity that that they have already going to uh, bring to bear the the requirements and the capabilities that 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 we have right now it not only helps DOD but it's 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 our nation it's a whole of nation uh, approach the way I look at it so it's almost you know uh, we don't have a choice, but I also feel like we uh, we really have realized by partnering uh, with commercial industry in such a way in a partnership that we can get a lot more out of it um, and and meet our needs um, in a way um, that that is delivered quicker. Uh, we don't have to redo, you know, we don't have to um, lock. Uh, um, our ability to to advance and to change and to evolve. Um, so I think there's a lot of benefits in that. And I think um, both industry and the government side, not just DOD, to be honest, the federal government as a whole uh, realizes that, I believe. One of the questions I asked um, Jennifer Eubank, who's the, the deputy director for digital innovation over at CIA, was... Yeah, kind of how do you get to some of these smaller commercial partners? And and what I mean by that is it feels like there's been a lot of innovation recently with some of these smaller industry vendors that can be super, super agile. And this next generation technology, these emerging technologies can really make a big impact. But the reason why I asked how is you have a lot of different um, challenges, whether it's going through some of the larger vendors or whether they're compliance challenges or policy challenges that some of these smaller vendors might not understand how to negotiate, but they have something that could be uh, monumental to innovate within a certain program. She had, her answer was they had a very formalized way for small vendors to actually see what the CIA is working on yeah. um, in a sense and to provide feedback and information about how they might be able to help. Do you guys have a way of connecting to vendors in that way and in, in a formal or informal way to just gauge what's out there, right? You might have 
different ideas about something, but you you want to come and and understand more about maybe what you don't know. Are do you have ways to do that and connect with with industry to to get smarter on certain things in in that way? So I, I, this is a big department. So I know that we have formal and informal ways. So not necessarily just through my shop, but you know through the acquisition and sustainment um, community from. Uh, or the um, uh, Defense Innovation Unit, for example, brings and and uh, looks at um, you know very very innovative technologies that that we typically wouldn't uh, get through our normal you know acquisition processes. So there is uh, really a lot of concerted effort to um, really bring as much innovation and uh, commercial or defense industrial based participation as possible um, in this department, in the department. From my standpoint, we engage industry as much as we can, um, you know, on different forums because I don't only look at, you know, cloud software just from today's standpoint, we need to look at the trend, you know, uh, where are we heading with cloud? Where so there there is that piece of it where I feel like after a year of sitting here, I I am already engaged with industry, but also I want to bolster that. But I also um, will say that when we partner with um, you know the let's say with cloud with the uh, hyperscale uh, commercial service providers, they have you know a long list of um, integrators and, that that they work with that includes, that is an opportunity and a way for many other innovative uh, companies and, and uh, the defense in- industrial base to, you know, jump on board to contribute to the cloud uh, journey and, and innovation and continued uh, evolution. So, there is many, many um, ways for industry to engage and to um, take part in in um, our um, initiatives. Uh, but I, I don't know that there's one one size fits all, one formula. As you know, ultimately, uh, for you know, when I look at it, you know, we'll go back to always go back to mission. Our our um, drive is to make sure that we deliver capability as quickly as we can to the warfighter and to, uh, you know, the defense supporting uh, uh, workforce and, and organizations. And I think uh, there has to be a balance in how we approach um, industrial, uh, the, the defense industrial base engagement, as well as, you know, uh, bringing uh, innovation to bear. Uh, again, um, all of that acquisition not being in my in my lane i know there's much going on uh in, in that regard we've covered some of the focus areas and priorities you have from a i guess from a technical and a, and a modernization focus obviously people are one of those big ones yeah. um, but there's certainly others but outside of the technical side of things what are some of the what are some of the challenges that that really you face every day i mean the, the best way i can the best way I can frame this up is, is what, if you're not sleeping well at night, what's yeah. really impacting you to, to keep you up? Well, um, 
I always, I, don't, <laughs> I always talk about when I was up at 3 a.m. and I was thinking about this. No, so I, I sleep well, right? Um, I try not to, uh, I try not to um, allow um, this to to really impact me in a personal way because then you know I'm not good for for the job, for my family, for my daughter. Uh, so I think it's important to have a balance between. Um, you know, the important work I do here with being a mom and uh, a wife and a daughter uh, and, you know, a friend, uh, a community member. So I think that that is um, that's, of course, I, I always I'm, I'm very open about my faith as well, um, which centers me uh, to make sure that I, I sleep well at night. However, uh, you know, it being um, uh, an African-American woman, an immigrant um, in a technical field, I mean, you name it, I check a lot of the boxes of, um, you know, a, 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 a demographic uh, that, that, you know, could present challenges uh, to be in the position that I am. So in fact, that really uh, drives me and, 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 um, uh, helps me stay centered that, you know, I'm so grateful that I am in a position where I can make a difference uh, and show people that it's possible um, that we c you can get there. Uh, I mean, there are people, including my, I mean, I talked about this um, in, in other interviews, including my college prof professor didn't envision me sitting in this seat as an engineer. Uh, my college advisor. So there are people that may um, put put us in boxes, but um, I feel like those are challenges that drive me and fuel my my um, really desire to to continue to to advance and to to look forward to uh, contributing to a greater good. Uh, so service ultimately um, takes sacrifice. Honestly, um, you can't be in service and and think like it's going to be smooth sailing um, all the time. So, uh, honestly speaking, like on a personal level, I I take um, any challenge that comes my way from a, whether it's uh, cultural or uh, just um, not you know having uh, the most connected, not being the most connected. Uh, just because, you know, I've started, you know, as an immigrant and I didn't have all those privileges and having come from a completely different culture, all of these things and, and maybe even limited English at, at one point. Right. Um, uh, now, I, I mean, most people can't even tell that I'm, you know, I had uh, an accent at one point or like didn't didn't speak English very well. Uh, so. All of these challenges I've overcome. So any other challenge that comes uh, in front of me, uh, I feel like it's just a driver and a motivator. I'm not saying it's it's easy, uh, but I'm saying uh, I have got to show uh, folks that you can overcome any challenges and no seat in any job is beyond any person. Um, you know, I have to, you know, I have to show that to my daughter 
Um, you know, my parents showed me that. Uh, they came from honestly very, very, very humble beginnings and uh, taught me that you know you can you can uh, you can become something, somebody, uh, and uh, help people ultimately be in a position that you can help people uh, in, in such great missions like the Department of Defense um, in a way that I would have never, ever uh, imagined. So, um, you know, I, I can talk, I can sit here and talk about <laughs> the challenges, but I honestly want to talk about the opportunities and the, the honestly, the the honor and privilege I feel for for the opportunity that I have to make a difference in this position, uh, but also really how it really humbles me to be here um, and to be counted among um, the leaders of the Department of Defense. I think that's great. And it also, it definitely comes through. I I, I will tell you that even intangibly, it definitely comes through um, I'm curious, do you, I mean, you mentioned the the very beginning of our conversation, your, your career has not been linear, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I just, I just talked to Joe Lewis over at the, the chief information security officer over at CDC. He literally verbatim said the exact same thing. And I think it'd be very difficult to find a leader in this space that just went a natural straight direction. It's, it's very few and far between, but as you, as you navigated your career did you ever did you ever struggle when you landed somewhere in a role that obviously you're happy and you you got there and and there's this position um a leadership position but then that imposter syndrome can kick in and say you know what am i going to be good enough to do this am i the right person for the job did they make a mistake did have you ever struggled with that and if so what have you done to try to um build build confidence back up to to kind of make yourself successful within those roles? So I, I, I'm, uh, the, the term imposter syndrome, um, always, um, trips me up personally. Uh, I, I think just because of the word imposter and I, I feel like because a person is new in a job or sort of, they don't have all the answers to, to um, the job that 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 uh, they're in, it doesn't make them an imposter. It just makes them, you know, a new new to a position, uh, a person that needs to learn. And that's why, really, I subscribe and really, really try to cultivate a, a learning, you know, a lifetime learner mindset, uh, and, and a, a person that is always open to to hear and learn from others uh, and which, which really, and then teach others, right? Those that want to, you know, take away from me um, any, any sort of anything, any good thing that I have to offer. Um, so I, and when I say that, I'm not dismissing the, the term or the, that folks actually feel like, you know, they, they don't belong in a, in a position or like they are sort of, how did I get here? And why am I here? Uh, kind of, I think that feeling, uh, that feeling just means that we dig a little bit more. We um, uh, do uh, ask a lot of questions, uh, do a lot of learning. I, as I told you, I sat here 
for the first six months, as I continued to do my job, I dived into every single part of my portfolio, uh, like nobody's business, right? So I was like a student while, you know, being a leader. Uh, the same with like when I went to do budget. So I I feel like I, I just want, I just want to, you know, sort of set the record straight that for me, it's not so much I felt, uh, you know, uh, this imposter syndrome, uh, but more that, you know, my learning curve is a little bit, you know, it could be a little bit longer or a little bit more than a person that may come in with, you know, a lot of the requirements checked uh, in, in, in any job, right? So I just, I just want to encourage people uh, to look at imposter syndrome in such a way um, in, you know, being new in a role and not knowing all the answers and having questions uh, does not make one an imposter. Um, and it's normal to have doubts about new jobs and new roles, right? Mm -hmm. It is so normal. Well, uh, I, I love how you framed it, it's especially yeah. you're taking yeah. that, that fear, that ambiguity, yeah. that apprehension, and you're just turning it into energy yeah. to drive yeah. success. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. So I, I just feel like it's, it's really, uh, it's, my duty for my daughter as a mother, as a wife, you know, as an African American woman, of course, I struggle, uh, you know, to, to feel like I'm living up to my own expectations. Because you know why I, I set, you know, a high standard of excellence for myself. Uh, so I think I don't want to translate that, though, as, you know, sort of a, a I don't know. Imposter just has a negative connotation to me personally. I'm not and I'm not in any shape, way or form uh, sort of belittling that, you know, people uh, could feel inadequate or could feel, um, you know, just that uneasiness about new uh, environments and new positions. But I'm actually advocating that it's OK and that we can turn that around and and use it to just dive in and and come out uh you know extremely first and and you know ready to 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 for newer challenges at the other end so i mean we've we've covered a lot today and and i appreciate you opening it up being willing to kind of lead into these questions and yeah. Um, and give us some great answers. Do you have any final thoughts you want to leave with the audience today? Well, I appreciate actually interviews like this and opportunities to not just talk about the technical, but also we are people. We're human beings as leaders. Um, we have our own challenges. Uh, as much as we are, you know, problem solvers, and and that's really why I. Uh, you know, I like to be very honest about my answers and my responses because I want people to see themselves in me. Uh, and if there's anything that they can pick up uh, from from where I am, uh, you know, that it is possible to lead. It is possible to pivot in career and 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 get back up again. You know, it's possible to to uh, just um, learn from others, including our own, our own, uh, the people we lead. 
they're the experts in many ways, if you think about it. Um, so I want people to take away, you know, the mission should drive us to do the things necessary uh, to, to get ourselves situated and set up for success in a way that ultimately we, we, we are serving in the very best way possible um, in the positions that we're in when we, you know, when we sit in positions of, you know, service. Um, and, you know, the other thing that I just want to say is that I learned and I continue to learn by watching many incredible le leaders, um, you know, mentorship um, is, is imperative. I tried to offer that to people as much as I can. Uh, directly or indirectly, but also, you know, I want to say, like, I got here because of one, the incredible example and in mentorship uh, that my parents have set for me, but also, you know, great, great leaders like the Honorable John Sherman. And I don't say that because he's my boss, but just an incredible leader that people I watch um, and learn from uh, and and just standing up for for uh, for uh, the things that that I believe in and and you know march forward and and make a difference I think that's great I I appreciate again I mean the, giving back and, and understanding that it's important to to mentor folks but also recognizing the people that have put you in the position that you're in or help yeah. get you there is so important so I I think that's a great reflection um but before I let you go I feel like I have to ask these two questions because you did you did bring it up. So so the the two, the two questions are: you mentioned you have it, you had an accent. What? Where is your <laughs> accent from? And can you slip into it very easily? Believe it or not, uh, so I'm originally from Ethiopia. Okay. So, oh, you did mention uh, that. That's right. Yeah. So I'm from Ethiopia, and I, you know, I've been here, you know, more than three decades. So you know, without really giving away my age. Um, but I, you know, I seem to have sort of, and I lived in Kansas, so in the Midwest, so I seem to have p picked up like this mixture of accents where now I think, I think I sound more like a Midwestern, <laughs> mid Midwesterner than, you know, Ethiopian. But, um, you know, I, it, it is, it, I can switch back and forth from speaking Amharic to English if I'm around people that speak Amharic, like you would not believe. That's impressive. <laughs> do, you, do you ever get back to Ethiopia at all to, to visit the country? I, I've been back once, but my uh, most of my immediate family he, is here in the United States. So a lot of my free time, I go visit my family here here in the U.S. But um, I, ha I have extended family in Ethiopia as well, but I've, I've only been back once. Well, I, I appreciate you sharing that. I mean, we're we're grateful that you are here. You're doing a great job in the role that you're in. Um, I I'm also grateful that that you joined today to kind of open up and, and share share what you did. Not only about your obviously your modernization strategy, but kind of what got you to where you are and and kind of what what has driven you. I think that's so important. I think we can all learn a lot from that. So thank you again for being here today and, and sharing all of it. Brian, thank you so much for having me, and I really did enjoy our conversation. This has been the Government Huddle Podcast. You can check out more episodes of the show by heading over to governmenthuddle.com, wherever you access your podcast. And feel free to connect with me on Twitter or LinkedIn. Thanks for listening, guys.
Bye for now.